less it can, this whole process can be about me, ironically, the more I will benefit because the better work I'll do. And so that's always been my outlook is like, if you can just get outside of yourself and really try to understand and serve people and help them like find what they're looking for, then in our business, you will ultimately be a lot more successful. Welcome back to the Startup Show, everybody. I'm your host, Adam Vasquez, a.k.a. the Puerto Rican Deacon. With me, as always, is D Money Rhymes with Honey, a.k.a. the Real Playoff Al. On this episode, we sit down with Matt Alling and Hudson Brock of the Marius Group. Now, if those names sound familiar, it's because both of their brothers, uh, Ted Alling and Builder Brock, have been previous guests on the show. In fact, uh, Hudson makes it clear which of the Brock brothers happens to be stronger, which was a helpful an- anecdote uh, I think you guys will enjoy during the show. Obviously, we're a very family-oriented media network here on the Startup Show, uh, especially when your family members all happen to be dominating the business-slash-startup space. That definitely comes in handy. So anyway, with Matt and Hudson, we talk about how they've built an agency in L.A. for for rock star tech folks, how they've uh, both they're both driven by something bigger than themselves and and how they've grown an agency without ever marketing their business. It's something that, uh, you know, is just wild, in my opinion. And and, uh, we get into that a little bit. These guys are really special. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, Their company started serving Snapchat when they only had three employees and, and obviously have played a part in that growth since then. And uh, the way they approach recruiting and talent management is extremely unique. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, they kind of play that role that Ari in in Ballers, the character Ari, Ari, if you've ever seen Ballers, that he plays. But but they do it for tech and the startup world, um, which if you know anything about that, obviously the talent uh, chase there is is real and is serious. So it's a really uh, fascinating world that they're playing in and I learned a lot from from each of them. I think you guys really enjoy this conversation. If you do, be sure to head over and give us a five-star rating. We are slowly creeping up and uh, once we get to 100, we'll have something special for you. But until then, without further ado, let's cue the music. All right, we've got Matt Alling and Hudson Brock. Thank you guys both for joining the show. We're very excited. Uh, this is a little bit of a, uh, a familial episode here on the on the show. For those of you who have listened to previous episodes with uh, Ted Alling and Builder Brock, builder of Waypoint TV, um, we've got some sibling uh, some sibling rivalry here. You guys are are both related to each of those guys. So excited to to make the show a family event. So before we dive in too far, why don't you guys just introduce yourselves and, and tell us uh, how you got to where you are, are currently? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, to introduce myself, I'd like to, to point out that I am uh, Builder Brock's big brother, um, <laughs> and he, and uh, he's one of my best friends. Um, originally born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, the new guy, if you will, and um, transplanted to the West Coast about three years ago. And uh, have been in L.A., greater L.A. area during that time. Um, started out actually uh, with a company called Kinko Logistics that's headquartered in Chattanooga. And um, found my way to Matt Alling and, uh, and Mary's group uh, about a year ago. 
That's all. Awesome. So you guys didn't know each other in Chattanooga. You met out there in in uh, in Hollywood. So Ted uh, Ted Alling, Matt's brother, has been um, he's been a mentor to me for probably the past seven years uh, throughout college, and then um, helped me kind of navigate my first couple jobs. And so uh, he introduced me to Matt. Cool. Um, when we first came out to LA about three years ago. Awesome. Awesome. And Matt, what about you? Um, yeah, so I moved out. I, I grew up in Birmingham. Um, I, I should start with like, I've got an amendment to make. I've been telling everybody all throughout the Southeast that I'm Ted's older brother, big brother. That's not actually true. He's, uh, he's older than me, <laughs> but I went, uh, I, you know, grew up in Birmingham and came out to LA, um, about, uh, almost 11 years ago and, uh, and, and started after a girl who, who's now my wife and, uh, started just kind of randomly took it. Yeah. I, I way out kicked my coverage, <laughs> but I, um, um, you know, took a job just to get in, uh, just to have a, some source of income when I moved out and it was, it was with, uh, with a technical recruiting company. So, uh, you know, did that for a little while before starting thousand groups and then eventually Marius group. Cool. Awesome. So yeah, I know you guys are working together now with Marius group. Tell us a little bit about, um, uh, what you're doing there and, and, uh, you know, kind of what's, what's different about it. Uh, yeah. Hudson, do you want to give a story of Gaius Marius? I feel like you do a better job of it than me. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Gaius Marius was a, basically, you know, he's kind of been dubbed the third founder of Rome. Um, a lot of people, you know, probably don't know his name off the top of their head, but he, um, made a name for himself and really helped build the Roman empire back in the day by kind of flipping the whole model uh, military and expansion model from enslaving the surrounding you know peoples and forcing them to fight for Rome. Um, and so he flipped that model and basically started inviting uh, all these surrounding people to join him and to fight with him and in return to become Roman citizens and get a portion of, of the empire uh, to have, you know, become landowners. Mm. And uh, so in that way, he not only was, you know, enslaving people, but he was, um, actually inspiring them to fight with him. So that's kind of the, the whole idea of Marius and, uh, and, and what we're trying to do is, um, you know, kind of be this catalyst for a bunch of small recruiting agencies to fight as one and to be a much stronger ally in, in the war for talent than any of us could be individually. So what makes you guys, it's a little bit, um, so my first job ever was in recruiting, actually, when I first graduated college. And I have this very, very specific picture of, you know, the type of work and, and what we were doing. And obviously it was different than what you guys are doing. But, you know, smile and dial, hundreds of phone calls a day trying to convince people uh-huh. to uh, to leave their yeah. job and things. And great, great intro into sales <laughs> and marketing, by the way. But I'm curious, uh, this sounds pretty different than that and uh the way you guys are talking about it starting this kind of democracy how what what does that look like you know tangibly yeah so uh it's funny that you you said that yeah like i i worked at a company that you know one of the big ones as well and 
I, I won't talk bad about him because I absolutely it was like the best training I could have ever gotten. But it was like a hundred phone calls before noon every yeah. day, and <laughs> yeah, I mean just constant, just grinding. You know, no lunch, we work till eight o'clock, get in at six. Um, and uh, and I worked, so I worked there for about four months before starting um, Calvin Group. So it was first starting our first brand, essentially. Um, and what hit me and kind of what we're trying to do differently is like, I really, I fell in love with the job, but, um, on my fourth month of employment, I had, um, like broken all their sales and recruiting records. And I, I, that same month I was trying to surf, which is just funny to think about, but I, I, I fractured and dislocated my shoulder. So I had like this doctor bill that I couldn't pay. Hmm. Um, and, but I wasn't on, I wasn't on commission yet. And I think it, it was either a 24 or $27,000 salary with no commission or benefit. Yeah. And, um, at that time I had like, I think that one month I did 120 something thousand in sales. And, uh, I was just begging for commission. Like, please, <laughs> take my salary, just give me a commission. I just want to eat what I kill. And, uh, they, they couldn't do it. And, and so I'd already, you know, I was going to start, I was going to start a company either way just cause you know, I have her like watching Ted and, and Alan and Barry and all the, the access and lamppost guys and the success they've had. Um, I just kind of wanted to follow in the footsteps of what they had done. And so that's basically what I did was start, started Calvin group. And, um, it's a much longer story, but um, I just yeah. feel like that it, it, it was a month. We literally started the company a month before the recession hit. So super stressful. Um, I went from good to very good at the job, like pretty quickly. And just kind of that experience of being entrepreneurial and starting my own brand and that rush and that grind and everything is just, it was like one of the coolest experiences that I've ever had. And, um, so with Marius, essentially what we do is, um, we're, we're like a recruiter incubator essentially. So we, you know, really take people to start their own brands, but within a larger network of companies so that they can collaborate. Cause I don't know if, you know, if you remember in recruiting or not, but like how difficult it is to do the full process of finding every client and finding every candidate, Oh yeah, negotiating the, the, the contract and the fee and the, terms of the offer and then doing the back office and so what we try to do at marius is really like just say basically what do you do the best do that as much as you can and so it's it's entrepreneur it's an entrepreneurial um, endeavor but definitely like with a lot more guardrails i think it's like you know like bowling with the bumpers right right so that that's super interesting so basically you provide these recruiters and these these sales folks with um the back office, the support, et cetera, and let them recruit. And then are they, mm-hmm. are they under the Marius umbrella or, or are they their own, uh, entity? Yeah, they're, they're under our umbrella. So it's, it's, it's essentially we're, we're somewhere in the middle of a, of a VC and an incubator, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, the, uh, the, as the, the millennial Falcons, you know the upcoming generation and workforce i think that like a lot of companies and people don't understand um how younger people operate and the way that we're kind of operating on this theory that like if you give people more more control more responsibility more influence 
um, and like creative control over branding and all that stuff that really does mean mean something to them and, and it kind of like their level of commitment um, sure is substantially higher if they, if they have some, some stake you know some stake in the game so uh, you know it's working it's working really well so far so hopefully it can continue yeah that's awesome and for those of you who aren't who aren't familiar possibly with the recruiting industry um you know it's pretty normal for folks to sort of be lone wolves and and work within an umbrella of an organization but really um everybody's you know competitive and and competing for the same work and so it can be a little bit of a cutthroat type industry so what you're suggesting this type of collaborative approach is is pretty different um and so I'm curious, how did you, uh, Hudson, when you sent me, when you sent me the talking points, um, I started laughing cause I don't even know what these things mean, but you know, you talked a little bit about recruiting yeah. DNA <laughs> being judo masters and frog eaters. And, and I don't know what that, any of that means, but how did you guys cultivate that culture, uh, to obviously be competitive, uh, but, but you know, under that umbrella maybe just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so one thing that, we've talked a lot about um, as a team is it's a, it's a Simon Sinek idea if you're um, a follower of his, but it's called the golden circle. And basically starting with your why, what's our, our fundamental belief or value that drives everything we do as a team. And um, so when I first came to Mari's group, my you know, first couple months, I just really wanted to study uh, you know, build a relationship with Matt and study what had uh, enabled him to be so successful. And what I realized is that his like core why to start with that was um, he really had this belief that people were here for a purpose and that each person, you know, had an individual calling um, for their life and their career and had been given, you know, had God given talent um, and skills to be used towards that calling. And that's, uh, you know, that's something that a lot of people might talk about, but it's rare, especially in LA to find people that really believe in that. Um, so, you know, that was kind of the first realization that that's the core belief that Matt has. And, you know, a lot of the reason, whether it was, um, you know, uh, formulated in his mind beforehand or just been something that's kind of grown out of Marius group. But I think that was kind of the core reason for starting this whole incubator idea. Um, so out of that, you know, we've got this how. How do we go about um, living out our personal lives? And that's through building real relationships. Um, that's through genuinely getting to know people, trying to understand who they are and what they want and how to help them go there. And that's, you know, as I've thought about how I've discovered what I'm best at and what I want to do, so often that's from my best friends and family being a mirror to me and, you know, telling me what I'm getting at, good at, telling me when they see me most alive and thriving. So that's basically what we're trying to do for, you know, other founders, other candidates, um, is really build a relationship with them where we can help them discover who they are and what they're all about. Mm -hmm. And, and then the third piece, I guess, you know, which is totally different than what you're talking about, Adam, with you know, smile and dial and just grinding and hustling, making a hundred calls a day for us really at the end of the day, we're not transactional uh, at all with our recruiting process because we're so much more relational at the end of the day, when we're closing deals and we're submitting candidates, it's much more like sharing friends with friends uh, than just trying to, to close a deal uh, between two people. Sure. So I love that. And I, I think, 
probably anybody who's listening would obviously feel compelled to, to following that type of vision versus the the alternative. But I am curious, just with obviously much less experience in the industry than what you guys have, um, just practically speaking, how do you like there's a you know there's a reason people do the smile and dial 100 calls a day like that 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 worked i guess on some level so how do you how do you um you know pragmatically cultivate those relationships figure out people's why's while also building a business that feeds your your bottom line yeah i mean um Hudson gives me a hard time because we haven't done i i like haven't done any mar- like any marketing at all Hmm. Um, for like what we're doing or even for myself, like my LinkedIn is literally, it's just a couple of company names. And, um, because we've, we've operated on referrals for nine years, nine and a half out of our 10 years, basically. Hmm. Um, so what, when I was, what really struck me and like kind of my moment of clarity when it was like, I'm going to start my, I'm going to start a competing company with my current employer. Um, my boss, again, who I respected a ton and I really liked, he had been doing the job at this big company that I worked at for 14 years. And one day they had just fired somebody and he was taking the leads um, that that person had generated. I mean, it's like we literally watched Boiler Room on our, you know, on our training, oh, like okay. on day, day two. <laughs> not, the, not the end where they get arrested, but yeah, the part the before that. Part, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, exactly. When they're, when they're all riding high. Um, and, and he was cold calling companies. And what hit me was like, this guy has been doing this for 14 years and he has no clients. And it was just blew my mind that like, we could be in this office for 60 hours a week and there's not one company that will call you when, you know, when they have a need. And so I literally like set out and like that night I called my brother and like that night, I'll never forget it. I called, I called Ted and I was like, Hey man, I'm thinking of starting my own thing. Cause at that point, again, I had a doctor's bill that I couldn't pay and, um, and really no money. And he was yeah. like, do it right now. And I was like, well, you know, we, he's like, no, 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 you need to do it right now. He's <laughs> like, all right, done. So I, I put in my notice and, and, um, you know, the next day and basically in sales companies, you put in your notice. It's not a two week deal. It's a, we're going to clean out your stuff and give it to you later. Yeah. yeah. Please don't come back. Yeah. And, but basically what I did was, um, my, my outlook, and this is legitimately from the way that we talk to people to the way that our office looks to the way that we dress, we literally did everything the exact opposite of what they did. Mm. So at that company, it was all like, um, call sheets and scripts and very impersonal, but you wore suits and you didn't really have relationships. You just push, push, push. And so my outlook was like, if I do a great job for the candidates and really like do the legwork to like, once I understand, like we always, I use the term aggressively serving people. And so like, meaning I'm going to connect with this, you know, uh, lead engineer at Google and I'm going to develop a relationship with him. And basically, you know, before I have something I'm trying to like quote sell him on, um, I want to, I want to develop a relationship and really get his why and what he wants to do. Like, Hey, I know you're not looking, but in an ideal world, what would be the perfect opportunity if we had it? And then basically I'll go find it. And mm. so that's how I've worked. And so, but it's the foundation for all of my relationships is like, my only goal is to give everybody all the information that they need to make a good decision for themselves. 
I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything. And so I think that makes it really, it makes the relationship aspect like very real when you don't have an agenda necessarily other than to like, you know, get them all the information. And so that's kind of how we, how we operate, which is very different from all the other companies that have one client and are like, are just trying to push that person to accept a job. I'll have one candidate and we'll get them on five interviews. And then, you know, the right. quality is much better from the client's perspective and they save a lot of time because they're not having to do as much interviews. And then from the candidate's perspective, we're more valuable because it's like, we're more like our business looks more like CAA or Gersh or William Morris than it does cyber coders or you know any of the other robert half or any of those big companies mm -hmm. well and i'd imagine that from the from the client side you know you, you basically talked about starting with why from the candidate side and and finding that dream role so to speak for them um but from the client side you're you're essentially doing the same thing because you're bringing them you're doing the work up front like you're bringing them this really mm -hmm. valuable resource that they may or may not be in a position to execute on but you're doing that uh, value add. You know, we talk about that a lot in content. Oh, add value, add value. You're literally adding the business value without without even having a uh, mm -hmm. you know a relationship in place. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, we, I use the coin the phrase like we sell your time back. So for a manager at the other company, and again, it's literally the we try to do the exact opposite. But at the other company, the um, the numbers were like, you need to send 20 people out for each placement you do. And which is just insane. So like we try to aim for three. So like mm -hmm. a manager literally saves 17 hours and hopefully finds like, you know, a much better quality person from us. So yeah, I mean, it's not only our ability to really find people or for the clients, it's not just to be able to find people, but really like target them. And I work with plenty of CEOs who just send me LinkedIn profiles for people they already know, but they can't get on their own. And so it's, you know, kind of an added value, I guess. If, yeah. Yeah. If just, you know who your competitors are, know who you want. It's a matter of getting them. That's such a different, um, approach. And so that's part of your business. And then on top of that, like you said, you've got the accelerator piece and you're, you're helping other folks, um, uh, build their, their recruiting businesses. And builder, I know you mentioned, uh, kind of having a recruiter DNA. I could, I could. Oh, Hudson. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Dude, he's going to be doing push-ups oh, right now in the office. He's literally doing push-ups <laughs> and punching himself in the chest. Oh man, you gotta keep that in there. I hate that that happened, but yeah, I'm kinda glad I'm kinda glad I did that on accident. Um oh, that's, man, that's an amazing that's, that's a shame. Anyway, <laughs> Hudson, aka the Elder Brock, is what I I'm just gonna call you the Elder Brock from now on. Um yeah, there we go. <laughs> you talk about the recruiting DNA. Um to, you know, how do you how do you guys impart that to the folks that you're working with, and what does that look like? If it's not if it's not uh, volume only, which is what I'm hearing, um, you know, what does it look like tangibly in terms of uh, uh, setting habits or, or things like that um, to be able to help other folks find their why and, and fulfill their purpose? Yeah, so I think um, to Matt's point. Uh, the model that we put in place and you know it's really in our core dna now as recruiters is we want to be agents for these these all-star candidates so if it's a you know a lead engineer uh at google or um at facebook um, they don't need a recruiter that's trying to hustle them into a new role they're already working at an incredible company they're one of the top people in their field what they need is an agent 
And just like, you know, Kobe Bryant has an agent or Brad Pitt has an agent, that's what we want to be for these top tech, uh, you know, talents. Um, so that's really like the, the fundamental piece of how we, how we attack recruiting. I think um, our process is very different than most recruiters in the sense that, um, and Adam, you may you know, get hit up by recruiters, but most of these top software engineers are getting, you know, 20 to 30, sometimes even 40 or 50 uh, LinkedIn messages from recruiters every day. And um, they're all very predictable, very predictable emails. You know, hey, I saw um, I saw your profile was really impressed. Think you could be a perfect fit for X, Y, or Z role that I have. Uh, da, 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 da. And it's just it's very predictable and it's not personal at all. And so with Matt and I, you know, really and the the rest of the team. I don't know if Matt's touching this, but we've got basically six LLCs, six recruiting agencies that we've incubated under the Marius group uh, umbrella. Um, all of us are trying to break that model and not have that predictable first touch point, first phone call. Um, it really is more kind of slowing down and making sure that we connect personally and understand what they actually care about, you know, why they became a, a software engineer or a CTO or whatever level they're at originally, and then where they want to go with it and kind of reverse engineer know their career track from there sure man i love this because for two reasons i think you know i love that you guys are are so so focused on the why and on the the motivating factors the psychology behind people uh that's something that i just love studying on my own um and i want to dig into that a little bit more in just a second but i also think there's something to and i I say this at risk of my business, but I think there's really something to the fact that you guys haven't spent time um, building content and, and messaging a ton to this point, which obviously I highly recommend because that's what I do. But you've just gone all, you've just doubled down on service and on really, really knowing your your client base in a way that um, you really don't see much. So, I, I, you know, kudos to you guys, but I'm curious... Uh, you know, personally, just to to Hudson and to, to Matt, to Hudson, to the elder, stronger Brock and to Matt, um, how, how do you how do you guys, you know, introspectively look at, uh, I, I guess, I don't know, that's just a tough thing, finding your why, you know, that's such an ambiguous thing and, and, and then acting on it in a way that is practical. How do you guys go through that process just uh, personally? Well, I, I think that... Um my outlook, and again, it's it serves me well. I think Hudson has has been really good and kind of challenging me in ways that, um, and and kind of doing things that we have like this podcast and doing things. I've turned down like a ton of interviews because I'm just like I don't people don't care. It's not about me. Um, and I I think that there is a lot of wisdom to that in like in terms of marketing in ter- terms of of branding. Um, you know, we work with, uh, you know, if you're a media arts lab before the, the agency that does all the, the campaigns, uh, advertising campaigns for Apple. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, um, they, they came up with think differently, like in the nineties, in the kind of like uh, classic, you know, advertisement that really blew up, mm-hmm. helped Apple blow up. But I, if you try to look these guys up online, they literally don't have like it's just a, a, a it's a huge company a division of a huge company too. But if you look them up online, there's nothing available because mm. it's I think they're so focused on 
on Apple and just producing great work that they don't really care. And so that's always, and again, like I, there's a balance there that Hudson's helping me come to, but for the longest time, I've just thought like, man, I don't, it's not about me. And, and there's a lot of freedom in that. Like I'm trying to help people with like, with their careers and I'm trying to help company get like game changers that are going to help build their company. You know, we again started working with Snapchat when I had three people and Wow. To see them, like, they really help, like, feel, like, connected to that brand, uh, which is unfortunate how they're doing now. But um, to feel connected to that brand at such an early stage, it's like the less it is about – the less it can, this whole process can be about me, ironically, the more I will benefit because the better work I'll do. And so that's always been my outlook is, like, if you can just get outside of yourself and really try to understand and serve people and help them, like, find what they're looking for mm-hmm. – then in our business, you will ultimately be a lot more successful. Hmm. That's powerful. I, you know, it, it, it is true. Obviously there's a lot of wisdom in creating content. I, I agree with it, but that's, that's and transparently, that's uh, a big motivation behind this show, right? Like we, we need to connect with folks who are decision makers and who are looking to grow their brands. And so positioning our clients as the, the celebrity, as the expert, as the um, one to be featured is is beneficial to us in the back end just just being completely truthful to you guys it's the same thing when you're able to to provide that value and uh, position your clients as these superstars which they are um ultimately that Mm -hmm. supports your your entire business that makes sense yeah Uh, there's so many recruiting companies out there and i don't think anybody does anything differently either i think they're all kind of like doing the same thing so it's kind of ripe for disruption um, Adam, I'd love to touch on the uh, the introspective piece real quick, that question you asked. Sure. So um, one of my fundamental beliefs is uh, it's actually the Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs patented the quote, but in order to do great work, you have to love what you do. And um, I think that's the first thing that I saw in that is that he genuinely loved what he, what he did and what he does um, with recruiting. Uh, and I sit beside him every day and, you know, every single day he comes in, really excited to do uh, this work and that's really rare at least you know over the span of 10 years i think a lot of people will do it for a year or two um and then kind of move on to the next thing so um so with that you know i think a lot of times how you figure out what you love what you love to do is uh is what i touched on earlier it's through your real relationships through your best friends um, being a mirror to you. And in today's world, it's like everything is hyper-connected. <laughs> Every person's hyper-connected. And pretty soon with like Internet of Things, every single thing is going to be hyper-connected and communicating. And I think the one thing that we, you know, that's a threat to is the ability to slow down and really listen to each other um, in a way that you're able to actually you know, go deeper than surface level. And so that's a lot of what we're doing is just creating a space for people to slow down and actually be heard and not just be heard by us, but actually hear themselves. I can't tell you, you know, how many times I've been talking to a candidate who's like, you know, a lead engineer at Snapchat. They're so much smarter than me technically but the past five years, they just had their head down and they've had to work so hard on the project at hand that they haven't had the space to be able to process, why am I really doing this and what do I really want long term? 
Um, am, am I moving in that direction currently with my career? And so just providing that, and sometimes it's only 20 or 30 minutes, but just providing that space to really be heard, to actually really listen to you, and to be able to, you know, verbally process, um, you know, what you want, what you ultimately want is really valuable, even to the top, top people in business. Yeah, I I uh I hope if you guys do start creating content and, and doing some things like that that you'll you'll walk through, you know, your expertise in that area specifically. I just did a podcast yesterday about the importance of listening and uh how I I almost lost a job previously uh with a company just because of a, a, a true inability to listen and how that's really shaped the rest of my career when I had to learn um how to do that and like you said, I think it is an, a, a lost art in a lot of senses, um, especially in our industries, you know, collectively, technology, marketing, whatever. It's always about shouting. And so what you guys are doing is um, mm-hmm. is different. And, and uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Well, guys, uh, really appreciate you guys coming on and, and sharing part of your story with us. Is there anything that you guys want to add um, to our to our audiences before we wrap up? Um, Hudson is definitely builder's big brother. Oh, <laughs> uh, love you, B. Builder. So Matt and I talk all the time about how having brothers is like the biggest blessing in our lives. Uh, there's nothing more inspiring than competing with with your brother. Um, totally. So that's that's what it's all about. Totally. Uh, just so you know, Adam, the three terms that I sent, so you can uh, at least know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, about. yeah, yeah. So judo is, judo is basically just the idea of like tactical empathy. So instead of like most recruiters just throwing punches uh, and swinging at candidates, we're trying to really, um, you know, understand them a lot more. And so that's kind of the term that uh, that Matt uses. Um, okay. Frog eaters is a funny, it's just a sticky term for uh, eating the frog first, which, you know, basically just means every day, um, kind of prioritizing your day and doing the hardest thing first when your mental mm. uh, strength is the highest. Um, recruiting is a big momentum game. So if you can start the day off by attacking your hardest task for the day and knowing what that task is, then it sets the tone for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Red Dog has been uh, kind of a, a mascot for us over the past um the past couple months. So this is from uh, Tom Wolf's A Man in Full. Mm. It's a quote. It says, T. Pete Gast had gone to the Harvard Business School, whereas Coker couldn't have gotten into Harvard on a bet. But Coker had something that Monsieur Raymond Pete Gast did not possess, or rather something he had never been willing to let off the leash. A certain red dog. That was the way he suddenly thought of it. As a red dog, you had to be willing to let off the leash. He could see that wild red dog. It had a chain around its neck, but the chain was broken. It was a Red Bull Terrier with its forehead in a dreadful frown, and its lower incisors bared and thrust forward. Every man had that red dog inside him, but only real men dared to let it loose. Hmm. And um, so, you know, Matt and I both came out of like, oh, man, so strong. Matt (laughs) and I both came out of like more corporate background, and so becoming – you know, entrepreneurs and taking that leap uh, it's kind of like letting the red dog out and uh, we're still seeing where it's going to take us 
That's awesome. Uh, Tom Wolf, RIP. He just passed away uh, two two days ago, right? Monday. It's timely. Uh, timely. Oh man, well, an honor, an honor of you, Tom. There you go. Yeah, and touching on the brother thing, I totally agree with you guys. I think it's awesome that you guys have brothers working in the same, you know, spheres of the world. Uh, my, I'm the oldest of three, and I can't wait till my brothers are in the working uh, class just to be able to to do this kind of stuff. We compete over on on, on Mother's Day. Um, we were there. We were having an argument in my Instagram feed about which one of us best. Uh, best you know served my mom on mother's day through uh cards and gifts and things like that so <laughs> i can't imagine what it would be like <laughs> that's <laughs> incredible yeah i'm uh, i'm excited for that well thank you guys both for for coming that's on this has really been fun um and uh i appreciate you guys and we'll we'll link to at least your linkedin profiles or things like that uh so people can follow along um but thanks for coming on the show hey right, thanks adam Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Hudson and Matt. Uh, be sure to check out their links in the show notes below um, to see check out what they're doing at the Marius Group. Listen, that's it for today, fam. We'll be back on the weekend for your weekly rundown. But until then, finish your week strong. It's Thursday. We're, we're getting close to the end. You can see the end on the horizon. Finish strong and get started. Get started.